Uh, you're not going to help me with the the show open. The, you know, help you with the podcast. Oh no, you, yes. don't, you don't want to help me. No, I'll help you, help. but then I have to go do my show. Oh, you know the the, the one bringing in all the dollars for the network. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yes. <laughs> Wait a minute. Yes, you laughed too hard. Uh, that was just supposed to be kind of funny. I know. I know. Uh, Stu does America on Blaze TV. It's very very good. Not as good as the uh, the show that I have premiering tonight on uh, Blaze TV. It is episode, what, 203 or something like that of my sit-down uh, conversation. This one is happening with a woman who survived the music festival in Israel. She came to the studio. It's The episode is entitled, I Covered Myself in Dead Bodies. It is a harrowing, unbelievable story. Um, and you'll hear that at uh, Blaze TV. All right. Today, podcast, we talk about Elon Musk. We talk about an out-of-control government. The truth on our air marshals that will blow your mind. Uh, the truth on security and the truth on our economy. All of that in today's podcast brought to you by Jace Medical. Jace Medical now needed more than ever. There are critical shortages of essential drugs right now in the United States. That's why I highly recommend the Jace case. I found this company, or they actually found me, three or four years ago. And I, when I found them, it was such a relief because I'm a, I'm a prepper. I mean, I lost all the food storage and everything else in a horrible boating accident along with my guns. But uh, one of the things that I've always worried about is, you know, I've got my, my two, two of my daughters are on anti-seizure medication. What happens if there's a shortage of those drugs or there's a supply chain problem? How do I keep them not from going into seizures? Well, that's where Jace Case comes in. Jace Case starts with five essential antibiotics, treats the most common deadly bacterial infections, uh, and then you can customize it. You can add on medications and you can get them for a year, a year's supply. So you have it on hand. You just go to jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. Go online, fill out a form. They're going to have a doctor review it, et cetera, et cetera. You get the prescription and the life-saving medications are delivered right to your door. It's jacemedical.com. Use the promo code Beck and save jacemedical.com. You're listening to... The best of the Glenn Beck program. I got to tell you, I love Elon Musk. I do. I don't know if he's, you know, he could turn out to be some super villain in the end. I don't know. Uh, stranger things have already happened. So who knows? But this guy is. He's just he's got so much F you money. You know, my uh, my dad told me, you know, what you really want to do someday is have enough money to just say F you. And I, what, what is that? What does that mean, dad? <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, people are going to ask you to do things and compromise and everything else. And, you know, you might think when you're younger and you don't have the money, I got to do what I got to do to put food on the table. He said, so get yourself in a situation where you can go. Yeah, really? F you. This is the real reason why the left hates billionaires. It's not because of income inequality. They don't care about income inequality at all. 
what they care about are people that can resist all the pressures that they yes. put on people. And Elon Musk doesn't care. Right. That's why they that's why they hate billionaires unless they're on their side. You've never heard right. about income inequality right. when it comes to George Soros, have no. you? Okay. So if you're on their side, but he really doesn't care. He really doesn't care. There's a new book out uh, on Elon Musk, and it talks about his childhood with his dad just berating him all the time. Yeah, I mean, his childhood was really rough, and his dad was, you know, according to Elon and everyone else in his family other than his dad, uh, was very, very (laughs) abusive toward him and everybody else. And one of the scenarios that they recount multiple times in the book, it's by Walter Isaacson, um, is, uh, is that he was... He would come home and his dad would sometimes be in good moods, right? right? He'd be in good moods. He'd be a great dad. And then another time he'd come home and, and his dad would just tell him how stupid he was, how worthless he was, how he would never amount to anything and berate him and berate him, berate him for hours. And he was required to stand there and take it for hours and hours and hours on end. Now, think about that as a formative experience in your life. Are you going to care what Media Matters says about you? Are you going to care what the New York Times says about you? Are you going to care about some advertiser leaving your platform? You will hate bullies (laughs) on any Mm -hmm. side, and you will defy them. One of my characteristics, and I don't know how this developed in me, but one of mine is you tell me you can't do it. It's why I love... Walt Disney and Orson Welles so much. Mm-hmm. You tell me you'll never do it. You can never do it. You'll never get past these people. Oh, you've guaranteed that now that's all I think of doing. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you do it. He's, he's like that with bullies. Now, here's what he said on CNBC uh, yesterday in a live interview. Listen. Apology tour, if you will. This had been said online. There was all of the criticism. There was advertisers leaving. We talked to Bob Iger today. I hope today. they stop. You hope? Uh, don't advertise. You don't want them to advertise? No. What do you mean? If, if somebody's going to try to blackmail me with advertising, blackmail me with money, go f- yourself. <laughs> but, but go f- yourself. <laughs> Is that clear? I hope it is. Hey, Bob, if you're in the audience. Well, well let me ask you then. <laughs> That's how I feel. Don't uh, advertise. Okay, so. Wow. So. I, look, it's another world, right? I, it's I, I, another world. never see stuff like that. But isn't that what we said 12 years ago? Just on a very small scale compared to him. I mean, with less language, but yes, yeah. but it was, it was my money. Everybody said we couldn't do it. Everybody was trying to put us out of business. And I said, go F yourself. We're doing, we're going to build it our own and we're going to build it in a way. You're not going to be able to touch us. And I said, we will be, you will, you will beg for the days when we were just on Fox we're having the best ratings, everything now than we've ever had in my career. It looks like these are the days where you would beg for me just to be on Fox. Okay. It was my money. So if I want to flush it down the toilet, I will. That's his money. 
you want to flush it down the toilet. Now, the difference that the one thing that I think he didn't expect or people don't understand when I talk to people who are newly getting into this business and they'll say, OK, so what should I expect? What do I? And it's the first thing I say is you're going to have to understand that you're going to play to only half the audience available. You're going to play to half the country because you're going to be on so many lists that they are going to target you relentlessly. They will destroy your reputation. They will do everything they can to destroy you as a person, destroy your family, destroy your business. You just understand going in. This company that we started with you, uh, what, 12 years ago, Blaze? If this were any other country, uh, company, it would sell in the billions, okay? It would easily be a billion-dollar company. Agree or disagree? I mean, I don't know all the numbers, but yeah, yeah probably. Okay. It's very, very successful. I mean, mm-hmm. we know companies that sold in this industry that were on the left sold for oh, over yeah. a billion, and, they, and we dwarf them, okay? Mm-hmm. We're never going to get a billion dollars for this, not in this climate, Maybe our children will be able to do it when America goes sane again because they've done everything to destroy it. Now, I did it on a smaller scale in the millions of dollars. He's doing it in the billions of dollars. So when he says this, and I think he knows, you're going to cut your advertising in half. You're never going to get... The Disney's and Disney, if Disney decides on its own, you know what? I don't want to advertise on Twitter. Fine. Disney's rapidly putting themselves out of business anyway. It's not a long term client for anyone. So if they decide on their own, they, they want to do that. That's fine. But what he's fighting and he now knows are, are organizations like Media Matters. He used the word blackmail. It's not blackmail. It's economic terrorism. Anyone who says you must do this or I'm going to boycott all of your advertisers, then they lead a campaign like they led a campaign against me and they came up with all these advertisers that were no longer going to advertise. And the funniest one was was Mercedes Benz. Mercedes-Benz has never <laughs> advertised on a Glenn Beck program, ever. Before there were anything political, they just don't advertise on shows like mine. Okay, They just don't. Uh, and so, Media Matters, why would Mercedes-Benz <laughs> make a statement that they will never advertise unless somebody had a gun to their head saying, say it, say it, Okay. And quite honestly, Mercedes-Benz, if you want to take a stance against me because I'm a, quote, Nazi, <laughs> let's have that fight. I mean, I have pictures. I have pictures of Hitler in your product. You don't have a picture of Hitler listening to my show, so let's have at it. <laughs> I mean, jeez, it's just ridiculous, right. and it is. I mean, it's a it is a form of attempted economic terrorism. I mean, it's not very successful. It's in, in many ways, it's more of a grift of the left than it is uh, some pressure campaign on the right because they convince 
their it, own donors to keep shoveling money that, so they can live in nice houses oh, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and and fund their own lives. Yeah. When really, do they ever get anything done? I mean, do they ever accomplish anything? No, they, they have accomplished I mean, this. They what? have divided the country. Sure. And, div- and made us into a country to where labels truly matter for some unknown reason. You know, that label is with that label, that's bad. That label with this label, that's good. So they've they've really accomplished that for a limited time because over time that's it's it's just not true. So it's going to burn itself out. Um, and and they are teaching Elon Musk now the cost of not being popular. They're they are bullies. You if you are beat up at school all the time because you're whatever. You beat up in school all the time. You learn the lesson. If I want to be this, if I choose that this is my, this is who I am, I'm going to get hit in the face over and over again, and I'll never be in the cool kids club. Fine. I never sat at the cool kids table. (laughs) I mean, I was the one getting food thrown at me. You know, I was not the cool kid in school. And I know that comes as a surprise ever. So. You think I care? I'm used to it. I'd like to sit at the cool kids table, but not compromise and become something I'm not. Go F yourself. Who cares? Really? You think you're in a club that has to work to bully people to say, oh, you're the cool one. You're the cool one. You're stuffing people into lockers so everybody will be afraid to say, you're a fraud. I don't like you. And I'm going to compromise myself to sit at your table? Uh, no, thank you. I'm not going to play your Goebbels to your Hitler. Sorry. And Elon Musk has, I mean, whatever amount of that you have, he has at times a, oh, a million. A million. <laughs> right? So he... He just doesn't care. I mean, one of the reasons why Tesla was successful was because he didn't care if it lost a fortune year after year after year after year. He, he belie- didn't care. He believed he, in it. He wanted to do it. He thought it was, a, as he says in this interview, he's do- he says he's done more for the environment than any single human being in history. Which I believe is true I mean, if, if you're talking about from their you know, pers- gas. From the left-wing perspective, yes. I would say yes. That's yes. probably true. I Certainly mean, it takes more. I mean, it does more to the environment with the batteries and everything else. But he's single-handedly responsible for the... Uh, the electric car yes. movement and yes. the success of it at this point, yes. as limited as it is, but it is successful as at Tesla. And he built that because for all those years at the beginning, he didn't care, right? He didn't care if he lost money year after year after year after year. And he almost shut down. I mean, he wanted to make money, he, but he didn't mind hemorrhaging cash by the way just like at the beginning with you at this company you didn't mind hemorrhaging cash as we were building this you minded it but i minded it after a while when it was like (laughs) i'm out of cash (laughs) but you didn't mind no risking it all risking it right it's the same thing with him it's everyone told him why the hell are you going to build a bunch of spaceships to go with spacex because he did he prioritized this mission that he believed was important over 
his money. This is what makes status. him enemy number one yeah, the for heat. the left yep. because he doesn't care. And once you get past of once you get past the fear of oh no they're going to cancel me oh no they might say this about me oh no I could lose my job. Once you get past that, nobody will screw with you because you will frighten the hell out of all of them because when you walk into a meeting or you walk into an office you're the guy with the twitchy eye that they all look at and say good god man he just might do it yeah yeah i make promises to myself first on who i am and then i'll make you a promise if you ask me to violate who i am see ya i'd i'd rather live in poverty than spend the rest of my life in hell compromising and then because of that compromise maybe spending all eternity in hell no thank you i have my priorities this is the best of the glenn beck program okay so we have lieutenant colonel peter lerner on from the idf in uh, israel to give us an update on on what's happening and specifically uh on the hostage situation lieutenant colonel how are you sir Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. You bet. First of all, how is what is the mood of the people? I've been I've been shocked to hear. Well, I shouldn't say that because this was like after 9-11 in America, how we rallied together. And after we really the once once we started breathing again, uh, we were optimistic and united. Is that still the case in Israel? Uh, I would say we are still not breathing here. As I sit, uh, sitting in my Tel Aviv headquarters in the, in the IDF spokesperson's unit, uh, I have my television on and everybody is glued to the television watching as two ladies, two young women are being released as we speak. And this is the, the latest installment of the release of hostages, those 240 so hostages that were abducted by Hamas on the 7th of October. Um, so we are still not breathing. We are still very, very, um, I'd say very, very focused. Uh, society is gathered around the need for a paradigmatical, uh, a change that brings safety and security for Israel, for the south of Israel, but not only the south of Israel, everywhere around. We, we are this homicidal organization that has used the powers of government to create this weapon, this machine of terrorism can no longer be permitted to have this power. And that's all we have to get the hostages home. And then we have to get rid of Hamas. Can you tell me why or who decided on what prisoners were to be released by Israel? Did they ask for this specific names uh, or what? Because some of them are really nasty. I think you know the the the, the underlining um, common denominator of all of those releases that they have um, either either convicted for violent crimes or intended to conduct violent crimes. Um, you know the the IDF isn't it did not or does not consider the uh, the list is not really under our responsibility. Um, and the government, uh, with its decisions and deliberations with the other security services, makes a decision. But what we can see is, yes, indeed, 
some of them are nasty. Some of them, act, you know, try to blow up car bombs and, and, and stab uh, civilians. And, um, and yeah, a huge challenge. But, you know, the government has made this decision in order to, to bring back those that have been abducted. Um, uh, that are, you know, there isn't anybody that isn't, hasn't been affected by the abductions. You know, myself. It's friends, it's uh, family friends, it's, it's relatives. It's, it, 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 it touches everyone and everyone in society. Um, and this is why this is, you know, it, it may be a, a price, uh, but we always put, out, put life first. And this is, this, is, uh, this is the challenge with this ruthless enemy. Out of the hostages that are remaining, how many are women and children? How many are American I don't that, left? I don't have that current uh, breakdown. Uh, we've released up until uh, today 99 women and children, uh, uh, babies, youngest of three, three, four, four and a half years old, hmm. um, eldest in their, women in their 80s, and there are still women and children that need to be released. Uh, the latest story is, of course, the story of these beautiful ginger babies Fear and Ariel Bibas who were abducted um, and we've been demanding that they be brought home with their mother, Shiri. Um, this is, this is uh, you know, more and more devastating news coming out about hostages and, and these people. But you know, we are determined to bring everyone, every last one of them home. It's, it's the, the, the instructions that we have been given. And we, we do believe that the operational pause advances the goals of the war of bringing home the hostages and dismantling Hamas. I hope so. Um, I hope you get back to business when it's don't listen to our administration. I don't know what our administration is doing, but I'm not going to ask you to comment on that, but please just do the right thing and, uh, and make sure that the bad guys are, are all dead. Quite honestly, um, we have been trying to find out, I can get the names of hostages really from almost every country except for the United States. And, uh, you know, people were tearing down the pictures of the uh, Israeli hostages, Palestinians uh, were. And it's it's shameful. My staff wanted to um, a couple of them wanted to take one to their synagogue, one to their church, uh, the names of people and the names of the Americans so we could pray for them. We can't we can't get the names. Do you know who's? What? How many Americans and who they are? Um, so I'm very cautious on anything to do with hostages, specifics about hostages, identities, and so on. We don't know what Hamas know they have, um, and we need to be very cautious in okay. public publicizing and sharing information. Uh, we haven't shared any specifics about anybody, um, and I think that's a wise move at this time. And, and we need to pray for them as a collective right. we need to you know we need to keep them in our thoughts and and uh, and what we are doing from the military perspective is making sure that we can um you know gather the intelligence and, and seek out uh those that are holding them and and be prepared for the next stage of this war and taking the war to hamas well uh lieutenant colonel um uh, I I can't thank you enough for you know your sacrifice. I, I think you were a reserve, weren't you? What what were am, you doing on the sixth? My my day. I, I was on the sixth. I just came back from a vacation with my family in Florida. We were in you know enjoying some uh, 
good sunrise and we came back from from the US and I was lying in jet lagged uh. Uh, on the 7th of October early, very early in the morning going through my social media at like 4.30 in the morning and then my phone started to ring uh, at 6.30 here and my wife woke up from the ringing of the phone of the sirens of rockets being launched at us and she said what's going on and I said there are sirens, uh, rockets being fired down south. And as I said, down south, the sirens started to sound in my city, which is a suburb of Tel Aviv, so in the heart of, of wow. the country. We went down to our shelter and took my daughter, my 12-year-old daughter. We went down to the shelter, and when we came up from the shelter, I saw the, the images on social media of Hamas paragliders coming over the fence. And I looked at my wife and said, something very different is happening today. I think they're going to call me up. And uh, she looked at me and she said, are they coming for us as well? Uh, you know, everybody feels this attack very, very personally. Uh, the assault on Israel's uh, Israeli society, it's very personal to all of us. Um, and so for me, there wasn't any a question or a doubt. The country calls a report for duty. And I, you know, I'm very proud of being today um, able to speak on behalf of the IDF and, and very proud that I have the confidence and, and I hope that I'm worthy for the servicemen and women on the front lines. Mm. Well, um, thank you so much. And I just want you to know uh, there are millions of Americans, millions, no matter what you see on television coming from here, the hatred on our streets is reminiscent of the 1930s and 40s. And there are millions of us that will stand in their way. We, it's not going to happen again on our watch. Uh, and and uh, please convey that to everybody, that there are millions of Americans who are with you every step of the way. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Thank you. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. Okay, so last night I was having a uh, conversation with Sonia Hightower Labosco. And uh, this is how it ended. Listen to this. Each, this person returned to the hotel. It is important to note that Blank never set foot near the Capitol grounds. In fact, suffers from a disability that makes it difficult for her to walk. This air marshal with 27 years of experience, can you, do you remember this case? What was, what was he assigned to do? I do. And that's his wife we're talking about, Glenn. He is a special ops uh, air marshal. He actually assigns the teams of air marshals to follow these individuals that are on quiet skies or a selectee. So this air marshal actually came into duty. It was his job to sign the missions for that day, opened his computer and saw a photograph of his wife listed as a suspected domestic terrorist, knowing that she had nothing to do with the Capitol. She, she, she didn't even go to the Capitol that day. And we proved that through many, many different ways from geo-tracking, her cell phone, her Uber receipts, okay. you name it, right. we I, proved it. I've got less than a minute. You have to tell me if this is true. Are, did we actually use the air marshals to track a four-month-old, four four-week-old baby? Yes, Glenn. We're, we're doing that now. The baby's eight weeks old. The eight baby weeks. was not even conceived. It's an eight-week-old baby who's on the terrorist watch list. That is correct. I didn't have time to fully delve into why our air marshals are following, and I bet it's not hard to track, the eight-week-old newborn that is now on the terrorist watch list. Now, 
one of my kids and well, two of my kids, they were born with, I believe, explosive stuff in their system. And when they would drop a bomb, sometimes it was nasty. But I never thought we should call an air marshal. But apparently at eight weeks, I mean, that's basic boot camp, isn't it? Eight weeks. Uh, what can these babies do to us? Uh, Sonia is uh, with us again. Sonia, tell us the story of the eight-week-old baby. Okay, Glenn, this story was just broke by Uncovered DC and Wendy Mahoney. This eight-week-old baby uh, is on the terrorist watch list, and it's not just one air marshal that's going to be assigned. It's going to be a minimum of three. So you're going to have three air marshals following this eight-week-old baby, no matter if the baby travels with their grandparents, if the baby just travels with cousins, it doesn't matter. Once the baby's on the list by their name, the baby is going to stay on that list. Okay, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Did the parents do something? The father, I think the father um, was, I think they got him for parading at January the 6th. I think he did face a charge. I think he did walk through, yeah, he either walked through the Capitol or he, he did something of that nature uh, on January the 6th. Oh, my gosh. Now, he, Not parading. He and, and this, you know, I think this is his fiance that booked the tickets for her and the baby. I don't know that they're married. I think this was his fiance that he booked the t- that she booked the tickets for her and the baby to go on, um, I think, a holiday vacation down to Puerto Rico. So he wasn't even home. with them. No, he no, he wasn't with them then. No, he wasn't. Huh. Um, so he's he's with them now. They are a family. So they were flying down to, to visit family, I think, down in Puerto Rico. And lo and behold, you know, they get to the airport. She gets to the airport. They print out the boarding passes. And here's the baby. As you can see, I, I think I sent you the picture. It's the infant. It's the infant on the boarding pass. It says INFT. And then it has the four quad S's showcasing that they're on the watch list well has the baby blown anything up i mean i just have to ask i mean has the baby I mean, is when, the baby involved in things right now i mean you ba- never can baby tell. wasn't even born baby wasn't even conceived wasn't even even born then wasn't even a thought at that at that moment this was you know back in january of 2021 we're three years we're going three years later into this and i mean i mean i knew look i knew that we had been following a six-year-old boy and a nine-year-old child i knew that i i mean that was a new all-time low for the information we received but when we received the information on the eight-week-old baby i mean how how low can you go within the government um for these these to to pacify the swamp right because this is who we're pacifying in tsa with the air marshals we are pacifying the swamp members that want Americans targeted because they exercised their first amendment right, or they attended a rally or they weren't even there. Anybody affiliated with January the 6th, whether you were at the Capitol or the rally, it does not matter. The swamp wants you targeted. So um, to give people perspective and I, uh, Sonia, I, I believe one of the most of, I think we did two things right after nine 11 we put air marshals on the on the plane and we uh, made the the door to the pilots bulletproof. Those two things, I think, are the best things we ever did. 
Uh, everything else was just government nonsense uh, for the most part, I think, um, at least the way it's been executed. The the air marshals are not on board of our planes now because they're not only just following babies and children, but they are also on our border. Correct. That is correct. When we we have been uh, forced to go down to the border for over two years now, the Air Marshal National Council, the group I work with, we've been fighting that because we know that we have very limited resources in the first place. I mean, the Air Marshals are only a couple of thousand specialty group inside of TSA, which TSA is a big administrative 65,000 bureaucratic agency. And then you've got this little small law enforcement component inside of this administrative agency, and they're smothering our duties as law enforcement with all their bureaucratic administrative red tape that they're using for a political agenda. And our air marshals are doing what on the border? They are doing non-law enforcement duties, non-law enforcement. They are driving people to the hospital. They are um, walking around the facility once an hour and checking a box saying, well, everything's quiet. I didn't see any doors unlocked. Um, they're at the at the front gate signing vehicles in and out. Okay, well, there's a delivery. All right, this person came in at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. They left at 2.30. They're handing out water. They're making sandwiches. They are doing nothing, nothing that they should be doing to thwart hijackings in the aircraft. What's your biggest concern on all of this? My biggest concern is we're going to have another 9-11, Glenn. We're blinking red. If there was ever a time in this country for in it's not even incompetence i used to think this was incompetence this is intentional how can you take the only resource we have from the air and put them down on the border to do no duties that's the thing we're not even doing anything down there and we're letting the american people we're ushering in illegals we're catering to the illegals and the american people who buy plane tickets and pay security fees and expect to be safe have nobody looking out for them you know what's uh, um, uh, amazing to me is i didn't even put the air marsh i didn't even think of the air marshals story after story sometimes it feels like it's once a week we'll hear about some crazy person on a plane that started an argument or whatever and not once have i thought wait a minute where's the air marshal because usually the air marshals are the ones that you know hey sit down if there's a problem, you don't usually have to land the plane right away uh, for some jerk, uh, which the airlines have been doing these all these incidences of these jerks on planes. That's maybe uh, happening more often because we don't have an air marshal. Is that logical? When that's logical, look, and these have been some very serious incidents. If you look over the last two years just alone where we're fighting while we're we know that air marshals are on the border we've had flight attendants stabbed we have breaches of the cockpit wait we've wait, had wait, passengers. wait 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 what yes we've had flight united united flight 2609 from los angeles to boston um in 2022 there was a flight attendant stabbed on that aircraft that's correct how what what did they use a plastic knife? Um, he, the, he went in. We're not sure where he got it. He made some type of homemade shank in the bathroom 
or, we don't know if he had it on him or did he get a spoon. We don't know how he did oh, this, good. but he made a shank. Okay. So that happened in the last two years and we still don't know how he did that. Okay. And then the, the cockpits have been breached? Yes. There, well, they, there's been level four threats that's been called out um, with, with the captain stating that the cockpits were, they were trying to breach the cockpit. Um, there's been incident after incident that has happened, and every one of these incidents were normal flights air marshals would have been on. The long-haul flights, remember, that's what al-Qaeda took our planes for when they took them. They, they took the planes with the most fuel, so that's east coast to west coast. Those are flights we have normally would have been on, but we're not on those flights because we're at the border or we're following January 2021 people that potentially were at the rally or at the Capitol. Your, That's what our duties are doing. Your organization, it, you know, you represent the federal air marshals and you know, you've, you've, you've done this. Um, how, how worried are the air marshals uh, about, I mean, you know, the country's at red alert. We know this. We've, we've heard it. We've heard the, def, um, the, uh, uh, Homeland Security say, we're on high alert right now for terror. What are they saying? What are the actual air marshals saying? They got to be going crazy. Going nuts, Glenn. They're going nuts because this is 22 years we've been fighting. Look, 22 years, a lot of the men and women that came over, came over right after 9-11. 22 years that we have tried to prevent this from happening again. And we are being handcuffed by this administration, totally handcuffed. There's nothing we can do because this administration doesn't want us to do anything. Okay, so what do we do? I mean, besides we gotta exposes. Get out of TSA, Glenn, we got to get out. We got to get the air marshals to a law enforcement entity. This is what happens when you have an administrative bias, political bias association like TSA running a law enforcement program. They weapon, they weaponize the air marshals for their political gain. Well, we're not going to send them to the FBI or any other government institution. I mean, I think they should be locally, you know, wherever they're living, they, that airport should possibly do it. I mean, you know, San Francisco, I think, is the only airport that doesn't hire the TSA to run their security, and they catch more things than any other airport. And I can't believe I'm giving credit to San Francisco, but uh, th this th th you can't give it to another government agency. Um, uh, Sonia, thank you so much. I'd like to talk to you again on how we can serve um, you and and help get our air marshals uh, back on our planes. It's, something is going to happen and there will be no doubt, no doubt who exactly is responsible for terrorist activity in this country? And name them right now. Sonia, thank you for exposing this. God bless you. Na, na, na.